Thanks, Nat. How are we going, church? Good to see your smiling faces. Those of you who are not smiling at me, why aren't you smiling at me? <laughs> hey, awesome to be here. Awesome to be part of Equippers Timaru and uh, it was a great launch last week. Who enjoyed Pastor Jordan? He's a good guy. He's pretty funny as well. And it was a great word. If you didn't, if you weren't here, you missed it. I encourage you go to our website. You can uh, listen to it there. Uh, he had some great analogies about throwing discuses, uh, about launching our lives upwards, and and I just I just get a sense that that's where our church is going. Like I have a I have a vision. Uh, there's a, there's a great passage in Isaiah uh, talks about that the smallest will come a thousand, the least a mighty nation, uh, and God says, and it's time I will do this. And uh, I, I want I want to kind of aim like that. I want to aim for a church of a thousand. Because that's not been done before. And I tell you what, even if I aim up there and we get a church of 500, that's still a significant church in Timaru. So I would much rather aim for that than kind of, oh, well, if we get a church of 200, then that's okay. Because probably we, you know, you never get as far. I'm not going to preach Jordan's sermon for him. Uh, but you never, you know, when you, when you, if you aim at something, you, you generally fall short. If you shoot for the stars, what, what does it shoot for the moon? You'll land among the stars, I think they, the saying is. So, so I encourage you to be a part of that. Um, we're going places. It's cool. It's great to have you here. We're starting a new series. It's called I'm a Big Kid Now. How many of you remember in the 90s the, uh, the Huggies ads? Yeah? Okay. Oh, come on, show of hands. Actually, you remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of you do. Yeah. Um, Mommy, Wow. I'm a big kid now. It's all about pull-ups. It's all about transitioning from, from nappies eventually towards undies, <laughs> towards underwear. And uh, it's essentially what, what we're talking about in this series is spiritual maturity. Because we're all called to grow. We're all called to grow up in God. And uh, spiritual maturity, it's a, it's a funny thing. It's kind of like humility. If you think you've got it, you probably don't. Have you ever, has, has anybody come to you and said, oh, you know, they're, they're really humble? Told them how humble, you how humble they are. And you've sat there and you've gone, hmm. The very fact that you're telling me that you are humble tells me that you are not humble. Spiritual maturity is a bit like that. If you think that you're spiritually mature, chances are, you're not actually that mature. I'm sorry to burst some people's bubbles this morning. I know, I know, I know. Harsh but fair. Because we get confused about what, and actually I just want to drop spiritual off it. We'll just call it maturity. Because everything in our, in our lives is spiritual. The way you live your, your, your life, the way you, you do your job, you raise your family, you do things, there's a spiritual element to all of it. And there's a false divide sometimes. So actually what I'm talking about, we're talking about maturity here. True maturity. And sometimes we get a bit confused about maturity in the world. We, we equate it with age. I, I, I don't know. If you've been around long enough, you, you realize that actually maturity doesn't equate with age. There are some very old people who are not very mature uh, that I admit. Spiritual maturity doesn't equate with knowledge. You can know a whole lot of stuff and still not be very mature. In fact, there was a bunch of people in Jesus' time, and they knew a lot of stuff. And they walked around showing off all the stuff that they knew. And they thought they could tell Jesus 
what to do. And you and I know, if you've been around church for long enough, you know who those people are. They're called the, the Pharisees, the, the religious leaders. The, they were spiritually mature in their own eyes. Therefore, they weren't very mature at all. You see, maturity doesn't equate with knowledge. Maturity also doesn't equate with seriousness. Yay! It's true, you know, that, that's just religiosity. If you're getting all serious on me, I'm sorry, church is supposed to be fun. God, invited, God invented fun. How many believe church should be fun? Good. Do you go somewhere else? Um, uh, sorry, if you didn't put your hand up, stay here. But, but actually, church should be fun. We should, we should enjoy God's presence. We should enjoy one another. Now, as I, as I was praying uh, for this message, uh, I, ju- I just felt that there, there might be two groups of people here this morning. Either you've, you, you're feeling new here, and so you haven't met me, and you haven't heard me preach, and, and so you've kind of come with a, an attitude of, well, what's this guy about? What's this church about? Come on, prove yourself. Prove, prove why I should listen to you. Prove why I should be here. Prove why I should give my tithes into this house. Prove, you know, you come with that attitude. Or, alternatively, you've heard a bit of me, and you're kind of like, oh, I've heard Dave. I know Dave. I know his faults. I know what he's like. And uh, so, therefore, there's not a lot more that Dave can teach me. Oh, I'm just saying. Saying possibly you fall into those two camps. Uh, and, and I just realized that when we're talking about maturity, if you come at it with either of those attitudes, you're not going to grow. I, I had an image of a, an airport scanner. Uh, I've been doing a little bit of traveling lately. And, and you know the ones you got to walk through. And if you go through it and it beeps, you're in trouble. And then they use a little wand. And, they, and I just felt like if we come to church with, the, with either of those attitudes, we're not going to be allowed on the plane. And the plane is, is where God wants to take us. It's us growing in our walk, us growing in our faith. But if we come with an attitude of, oh, come on, prove it to me, or oh, there's nothing I can learn here, or oh, I'm pretty spiritually mature already, you know, you need to check those attitudes at the door. You need to hand those over. Those are dangerous weapons. You need to hand those over because they will stop you from growing in God. Is that true? Okay, if you agree with me, let's pray. Father, I thank you. God, we've got so far to go. Me included. And Lord, we want to grow. We want to become mature in you. So Lord, we, we drop our attitude at the door, Lord, and we come with soft hearts, with open hearts to learn, not from me, but from you, God. May you speak to us through your word. May you speak by your spirit. In this place, we are open. In Jesus' name. And all the saints said, amen. Awesome. You know, church, I believe, should be like a greenhouse. I've been uh, out in the garden a bit in the last few weeks, and I've planted out my, my tomatoes in my greenhouse. And because uh, a, a greenhouse is a place where things grow because there's, there's, it's an intensified environment. I, I believe church should be that. We come into this place, and it's a, it's a greenhouse. You come here because you want to grow, and, and, and this is really a place that produces fruit. I mean, you know, I don't grow, you don't grow tomatoes just for the plants. You grow them for the fruit. Our lives should be producing fruit. We come into this space so that there is fruit being grown in our lives. And, and can I suggest if you're, not, if you're coming here and you're not growing, then actually you won't stay. The lights and the coffee, although it's good, 
won't keep you. Because how many of you know that, that God's power can, can draw you, but it's His purpose that will keep you. You can be drawn into this place, but it's God's purpose in your life that will keep you. And I pray that you will catch the purpose of Equippers Church. It's in the name. Equippers, it's our, our, our motto, our, our mission statement is equipping people for life through faith in Jesus Christ. That's what we're about. And if you think about that, equipping people for life through faith in Jesus Christ, that's actually just discipleship by another name. It's making disciples. And that was Jesus' great commission. He said, go into all the world and make disciples. So that's what we're about. And if you catch that, if you realize that church isn't just about you, it's actually about making disciples of yourself and of the world around us. Then you will grow here. You will get planted. You will, things will change in your world as you, as you chase after that purpose. And that's my prayer. That's what I want to see us do. But a part of that process, we need to grow, right? We need to grow in maturity. That's why we're doing this series, I'm a Big Kid Now. Pull-ups. Next level nappies. It's that transitionary series where you start to learn to deal with your own stuff. Right? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a big kid now. Come on, I'm a big kid now. God is going to pull us up to a whole new level. You ready? Yeah, come on. He's going to pull us up to a whole new level. There's two important aspects of maturity, becoming a big kid, and I, and I want to unlock them for you today. And the first is, oh, you're going to love this one, responsibility. Ah, responsibility. Paul writes in his letter to the Corinthian church, and hopefully we can put this up here. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. There are ways of talking and thinking and acting which we have as children that we need to drop as adults. If you're over at the age of 16 here, by the way, that's you. If, if they let you drive a car, you're an adult in my book, okay? But it's funny, isn't it? Because you and I are the same people that we were when we were kids. You know, there's no like kind of change, we feel the same, yeah? And sometimes it kind of catches you out, and you're like, oh, man. Although I'm still a, I feel like a, just a kind of a bigger version of the kid me. Actually, people are wanting me to know stuff and to do stuff and act like, does anybody feel like this? Uh, you kind of think, oh, I'm going to get found out. I'm going to get, they're going to realize that actually I'm just, I'm still eight-year-old Dave, but in a bigger body. <laughs> but the thing is, you know, I think all of us feel like that to a degree because becoming an adult isn't easy. There's stuff that's expected of us. If you think about the kind of some of the key milestones, maybe it's getting your first proper job. You know, not the one where you say, would you like fries with that? Uh, but the one that you've studied for and, or, or you've been an apprentice for, that job, when you get your first paycheck, you're like, wow, cool, I'm an adult, I've got this money. Or maybe it's when you buy your first house, or maybe it's when you get married, or maybe it's when you have kids. All these kind of milestones 
that kind of are markers of being an adult. And you know what the key theme through all of those is? Is responsibility. You know, you get a, you get a, a pay check and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm responsible for this money. I can do what I like with it. I can go bust it all on, on movies and, and snacks or I can actually do something with it. At the end of the day, it's my responsibility. When you get a house, you have this house, you're like, this is so cool, but then there's a leak in it. And you're like, oh, I've got to fix it. Oh, it's my responsibility. Or you, 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 you get married and you're like, well, this person, their happiness, happy wife, happy life, is actually their responsibility is, their happiness is my responsibility as, as well as theirs. Kids, how many of you know they are your responsibility? They are useless. If you don't feed them, they will die. There is a responsibility there, right? Uh, yeah, we'll talk later. But they are a responsibility as an adult. They are a responsibility that they don't go feral. And, and you know, you have, some of you know those kids. They're not yours, I'm sure. It's all about responsibility. You see, we all start as little people. But at some point, we enter into adulthood. It's actually, it's all about a one-up, one-down relationship. You see, we start in a one-up, one-down relationship. There's us, and then there's the adult, our parents. But many people never come out of that one-up, one-down relationship. Because it's actually, it's a mindset. It's a mindset that, that if, we, if we don't come out from it, we're always handing over responsibility of, for our lives to others. Maybe it's to your parents, but also maybe it's to your boss or your older sibling. Some people do it to the government. Oh, the government's not looking out for me. No, it's your responsibility to look out for you. Maybe it's an organization. Maybe it's, you know, the business that you work for, and you're just always blaming them. Sometimes, as parents, we do it with our, with our kids, and we blame the school. We blame the teacher. No, 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 they're your responsibility. Until they reach that age, they're your responsibility. You know, you can be 40 years old and still in that kind of one-up, one-down relationship. Becoming an adult is, is, is the process of coming out and coming into a, a peer relationship with other people and working alongside those other people. You know, your, your health, it's not your doctor's responsibility. Yes, your doctor can help you. But actually, your health is your responsibility. Too often, we, we live still with that one-up, one-down mindset. Because I think it's hard to come out of that. It's hard to be an adult. Because you've got to lead yourself. And that's where we get all those you know, adulting memes. You've seen some now. I've got just one picture up here for you. This is kind of what adulthood is like. Because... Because you've got to lead yourself. There's no one there to take you for a walk anymore, so you're doing it yourself. You've got to become mature and realize it's your responsibility. Taking responsibility, it's actually about authority. It's about realizing our authority. You know that the word authority comes with that word author in it. We are the author of our own destinies. We write the story of our lives. It, just like 
actually goes all the way back to Adam. Adam and, and the garden. God said, you know, I want you to name these animals. He gave him authorship. He gave him creating the, the choice there. That's our creational mandate as well, is that we can write. We can author, not, not, the, not the names of the animals, but our very life. God gives you the ability, the authority to name your future. You see, we're not, we're not actually determined by our past. We're not determined by our feelings. We're not determined by what other people say or do to us. We're determined by us. We have authority through Jesus to take control. And he's given us his Holy Spirit to empower us, to enable us to do that. We don't have to do it all by ourselves. But if we stay in that one up, one down, we are always blaming others. We're always playing the blame game. Oh, oh, it's, it's the easy way out, if we're honest. If you think about kids, man, if I had a dollar for every time one of my kids blamed the other one of their siblings for something that is their responsibility, I would be a wealthy man. How many of you know that? Oh, why are those toes on the Oh, well, my sis, you know, it was Izzy. For, oh, why has this not been put away? Oh, Ruby didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But we do it. I, why, why am I not, why haven't I worked on my fitness? Why, uh, oh, well, you know, um, I don't have enough time because of uh, my, my busyness and this. Why, why, why have you not done this thing? Oh, well, you know, um, this person did this and it was outside of my car. No, no. We need to take authority over those situations, authority over our lives, because we are ultimately responsible. Well, I know this is a hard word. Who's feeling a bit hit already? <laughs> okay, let, let, let's go to Scripture, because that'll help. Uh, Galatians 6, <laughs> verse 4 and 5, says this, Each one should test their own actions. They can, then they can take pride in themselves without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. You know, we all actually have a load to carry. Jesus says, come to me all you who are heavy burdened, and I, I will give you rest. You know, if, if you're feeling burdened, that's not okay. You, you need to bring that to God. But actually there is a load different to the burden, the worry, the stress. There's a load that we are called to carry. And each of us have to carry our own. Your spouse can't carry your load, your responsibility for you. Darn it. Because <laughs> man, it's so capable. <laughs> you know, your parents can't carry your load for you. Your friend, who's a great support, they can't live out your relationship with God, live your life for you. Because we're all going to be held accountable, not for anything else, but our own lives. And that's actually kind of freeing. Because if, if you're always one of those people that go, man, oh, look at all the things that they are so blessed. They've got so many talents. They're so gifted. You guess what? They will be held accountable for their giftings. And if you think, oh, actually, I'm not that gifted. Well, that's okay. You'll just be held accountable for what you do have. And trust me, you do have more than you think. But you are responsible for you. Romans 14 verse 12 says, So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. You will give an account for you. I will give an account, not for you, but for me. 
Because as a church, we can't do it for you. We can't and we won't tell you how to live your life. We'll create an environment, that, that greenhouse I was talking about, where you can grow and flourish, but ultimately, you take responsibility. We, I won't even tell you what to believe. Yes, we have beliefs, but you need to work those things out for yourself. Don't take everything I say as gospel, because some of it's not gospel. That's from the epistles or the prophets. No, no, but some of it, but some of it is also just my thoughts. You need to distinguish that for yourself. You need to go away and check, check up these things for yourself. Because I tell you what, if it's, if it's my faith that your faith is resting on, then it's going to fall. You know, if I, because the way, you know, the, the way you win your friends is the way you've got to keep them. Have you hear that saying? The way you win your friends is the way you've got to keep them. So if you're just always buy your friends Maccas, and they're your friends because you buy them Maccas, and you stop buying them Maccas, they're going to stop being your friends. It's the same in your relationship. If, if you've got to, got to keep relying on someone else for your faith, then what happens when that someone else lets you down? Because I'm going to let you down. I'm sorry, I'm not going to mean to, but I ain't perfect. And your friends who you rely on in your faith, they're going to let you down at some point. Your spouse, they're going to let you down at some point. You've got to work it out for yourself. This is getting heavy, I know, but your faith is your responsibility. See, how you enter the kingdom is going to be the sustaining force that keeps you in the kingdom. Your relationship with God, it's all about you and Him. And if you rely on someone else, no matter how good they are, it won't last. So it's time to own your own faith. It's time to respect, take responsibility for your own reading of the Bible, for your own praying, for your own getting yourself to church, for your own getting yourself into e-group, for building community. Because I tell you what, I'm not your slave driver. I won't be. I can encourage you. I can, we can create these environments. But ultimately, your growth in God is down to you. Because we don't want a church full of spiritual babies little minions. No, we want fully-fledged disciples of Christ, fully-fledged followers of Jesus. So to do that, we have to get our pull-ups on and become big kids and take responsibility. Okay, enough on responsibility. The second thing that is really key in, in growing in maturity, first is responsibility. Secondly, it's identity. See, adults who have not become big people always feel like they're, it's that one down, one up thing. They always feel like they're, they're beneath and they've got to, they're inferior. They've got to prove themselves to the world around them. You see, true maturity comes from knowing our identity, our true identity. Because often there's a war inside us between our projected self, what other people see, and our real self. And so often we're, we're like, oh, what, what will they think of me? What will they, you know, if I do this, how will it? And we get anxious about how we present ourselves to the world around us. And maybe it's in your friend setting, or maybe it's in your workplace, or maybe it's in your family, but you're always trying to project that things are okay, and you've got it all together, and you're, you're good. Or you're fearful of criticism. 
Like, oh, no, I don't want anybody to dislike me. I don't want them to, to criticize me. And so you're, you're a people pleaser. You're always just doing things just to smooth things over. You're always just looking for approval from others. Or you're, you're fishing for compliments. You're just riding on the, the next time someone will encourage you and say something nice about you. The problem is, if you're living like that, you haven't grown up on the inside. You're still looking outward for your identity instead of looking inward to Christ. See, Jesus is the one who defines us. He's the one who says who you really are. I love what 1 John 3 one says. See what a great love the Father has lavished on us. We've been singing about that this morning. That we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. That is what we are. That is who you are. Above any other label you have, any other role you might have as a mom, as a father, as a brother, as a sister, as a, a colleague, as a friend, you are a child of God. And you're not defined by what everybody else thinks. You see, the only people who, who are defined by what other people think in, in Jesus' world were the religious people. This is what Matthew says about this. It's a long passage, but it, it's worth grasping. Then Jesus said, in Matthew 23, verse 1, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. And this is the key verse. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. You see, everything the religious people at the time did was to prove to everybody else that they had it all together. It was all done so that other people would see. That verse, everything they do is done for people to see. That's the issue in our lives as Christians is, is who are we really living for? Are we living for what everybody else sees? Because that's our projected self. Excuse me, and that's actually not with what God deals with. He deals with our real self. So you and I are defined not by what other people see, but by that one teacher, that one father. There's, there's a whole generation of people who are looking for, or generations of people who are still looking for their worth in their father. And we have a father in heaven who defines who we really are. Or they're looking for their worth in the world around them, their friends and their peers. No, we have a friend who's closer than a brother his name is Jesus, and he defines who we are. Because the Pharisees were all about pleasing people rather than pleasing God. If we're to be mature, we need to realize our lives can't be about pleasing people. If your life is all about pleasing people, you're going to fail, and it's going to be hard. <laughs> it's going to be way too hard. We need to take a leaf out of, out of Jesus' book. Let, let's read again just about the Pharisees. Uh, yet in, in John 12, 
42, 43. Yet at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than praise from God. These believers could not exercise faith because they cared too much for the approval of others. They cared too much about what the religious people would say. They, this is actually the believers. This isn't the religious people. They're saying, but because of the religious people, because they cared too much about what other people said, they couldn't exercise faith. Wow. Because faith, your faith is proved by your actions. If you can't exercise your faith because you're caring too much about what other people think, and I think this is a, this is a curse of the Western church, is we're too worried about what other people think. I'll be labeled as a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be a weirdo. Well, if you believe that God speaks to you, probably people will think that you're a weirdo already. So get over that. You know, we're too worried about, about what other people think. Well, you know your true identity when you come into full maturity. You don't care what other people think. Compare the Pharisees' attitude with Jesus. In Mark 12, 14, they came to him, his followers came to him and said, Teacher, we know you are a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Jesus didn't fear people. And you might actually say, well, that didn't do him much good, did it? And he ended up with them on the cross. But he knew that that was his destiny. He faced that. But he didn't care what others thought, what others said. I've realized more and more as I've grown as a leader, actually, who am I doing this for? Who am I trying to prove this to? Is it, is it my fellow pastors? Am I trying to you know, prove myself to them? Is it to you? Is it to my family? Is it to my parents? Actually, I have an audience of one. And so do you. There's actually only one person you need to live your life for. You need to not stop worrying about what other people say or think. And I don't like this because I like to please people. How many of you out there with me? You, you like people to like you. And, and, and therefore, you don't want to offend. You don't want to say things that might ruffle feathers. This is what Jesus says. This, this hit me. Luke 6, 26. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you. For that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. Oh, so if everybody is speaking well of you, we have a problem. If everybody thinks you're awesome, you're not. (laughs) If everybody likes you, then actually how effective is your faith? Are you just a false prophet? You're just telling the world around them just what they want to hear. Oh, no worries. You're fine. There's no heaven or hell. You know, oh, don't worry about, you know, living your life that way. Uh, you know, it's fine. Oh, yeah, Jesus, yeah, no, he's, he's I kind of know him. Uh, Nat alluded to that this morning. If we flip that on its head, if, if everyone is speaking well of us, then there has to be some people pleasing mixed up in that, Right? And I, I want to ask you that question. Where am I just pandering to the world around me? Where am I just saying things because I don't want to offend? It didn't bother Jesus. 
Now, don't go out of your way to offend people. I'm not saying get out there and start, you know, riling people up. But, you know, if everybody's speaking well of you, then, then possibly your Christian faith isn't that effective. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 4 says, On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our heart. See, at the end of the day, if we're desiring to follow God and we're doing it with all our heart, that's, that's all that matters. We will make mistakes. But God sees our heart, and he's happy with that. Can I just say, at Quibbers Church, we're not about pleasing people. I'm not, I don't want to create a church that is just about pleasing people because ultimately it won't serve God. It won't, it won't be true to him. We need to be about pleasing God. And the funny thing is that when you, when you seek after pleasing God, ultimately you will actually please people in a bigger scheme of things because actually it's for their benefit that you're telling them those things in love, that you're encouraging them in the right direction, that you're speaking the hard truth into those situations. So being a, a big kid means we're, we're no longer seeking for approval from others. We're seeking for approval from one. And who's the, uh, I'd ask you, who's the audience in your head that you're trying to impress? Who is it you're trying to impress? Is it, is it your, your boss or your colleagues? Is it your family member? Who is it that you're looking for a response from? Who is that person who's one up on you that you just want to prove yourself to? You think that if, if, I, if I prove myself to them, then I'll be happy. No, you won't. You won't. That's actually what children do. Have you noticed? Kids are always trying to prove themselves. Oh, my dad's bigger than your dad. My, oh, I've got a... Oh, you've got that car. Well, I've got a Ferrari at home. It might be that big, but, you know, they're, they're always trying to one-up. Can I invite the keys up? See, the crazy thing about the way God's kingdom works, when Jesus came along, he turned everything upside down, topsy-turvy. He was like, it's more blessed to give than receive. You've got to love your, not your friends, your enemies. You know, the, the last will be first. It's all upside down. It's a topsy-turvy kingdom. And actually, it, it kind of plays out in this whole maturing thing as well. See, in the natural world, we start as kids and we grow up into adults. But with God, we, we, we kind of, we, we get given the choice first. We become adults and then God says, okay, now I want you to become kids. I want you to, to become like little children in your faith. I want you to, to come under me. I want you to willingly choose to give up your rights and to come under. It's, it's topsy-turvy because the power is all in the choice. Have you realized that power is a lot about choice? You know, we, in New Zealand, we're proud we give, gave women the, the vote first. That vote was a choice. Women had a choice first. And that gave them what? It gave them power. It gave them power. 
When we come to God and we choose to come under Him, we're giving Him power over our lives. And in the topsy-turvy way the kingdom works, that actually gives us power in our lives. Because when we come under God, He puts us over the things that were previously over us. It's often we, we, we just come to God and we just give Him stuff we don't have power over. When our life is a mess, we say, God, I give you my life. <laughs> well, that's great. And, and God wants your life regardless. But rather than just giving your life to God when it's a mess, and you've got to the end of you, and God can't make any bigger mess of it, so I'll give it to Him. Now, how about giving yourself to God the stuff, the stuff that you do have power over. When things you feel like things are okay and you've kind of got it sorted out, when you give that to God, you choose to come under Him. That is powerful. And that, that, that is true freedom. True freedom is actually not being able to do whatever you want, but coming under God and giving your life to Him. It's topsy-turvy. Because if we're honest, the thing that stops most of us is stepping into this is, is we're too concerned about our reputation. We're too concerned about what other people will think, how we look, how we appeal to the audience in our head or the people around us. Who's, you know, who are we measuring ourselves up to? See, reputation is what other people think of you. Character is who you really are. Reputation is just an image. It's just a projected self. Character is a reality, and only it's only your true character that God can deal with. And you'll never actually grow up a God unless you bring your true self to Him. God won't deal with your projected self. If you just the cool thing is, if you look after your character, your reputation will take care of itself. You don't need to worry about your your reputation because you look after the importance, the important thing of your character. See, until you've lost your reputation, you'll never realize what a burden it was. That's an interesting thought. Until you've lost your reputation, you'll never realize what a burden it was because you're always trying to prove yourself. This is, this is amazing. This is, what, this is what Jesus did. In Philippians 2, 5 and 9, to 9, it's, it's one of the first kind of hymns in the Bible. And it, although it's in, in, in the New Testament at least, it's in the letter to the church in, in Philippi. It says this in verse 5, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. How many want to have the same mindset as Jesus? I hope you do. It says this, Who, being in very nature God, do not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. So he was equal with God. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Jesus gave up his reputation and he came under he humbled himself, and therefore God has highly exalted him. 
You see, until you make yourself of no reputation, until you make yourself as humble as Jesus did, then He can't promote you and raise you up. I would ask you, who do you want to promote you? Do you want the world around you to promote you? Or do you want God to promote you? Because if, if you make yourself of no reputation, then God will exalt you. He will use you powerfully for eternal purposes, far bigger than the things of this world. But too many of us have got it around the wrong way. We're too precious about our own reputation. Often that's why we don't engage in worship. We kind of look around and we're thinking, uh, I'm, I'm a bit worried what other people will think. Well, that's just your reputation. I have a reputation to maintain. Do you? Because <laughs> you shouldn't. Jesus had no reputation. So why should you? See, true maturity comes when we don't care about our reputation. True identity in Christ comes when we don't care about what other people think about us. We care only about following wholeheartedly after our God. And He's our example. We, we said, you know, I want to have the mind of Christ. Well, the mind of Christ is to completely humble ourselves and not care what other people think. Uh, why don't you stand to your feet in this place? This is a holy moment because I believe that God wants to break something in our hearts. He wants to do something in our lives that only we can choose to do. Remember, it's your responsibility. But if you know you're living for the approval of others, you know, if you're worried about what other people will think, about what your boss or your spouse or your, you know, whoever it is, your family, your friends, today's the day that you need to be of no reputation like Jesus and surrender completely to Him. Often a physical response triggers a spiritual reality. And so I actually want us to do something physical in response. I want you to, just in this place, to raise a hand if you're like, yes, I want to I abandon myself completely to God. I, wanna, I don't want my, it's not about my reputation. It's not about what other people think. It's about, it's between you and I, God. If, you're, if that's you, I'm seeing hands raised all over the place. But if, if you realize, actually, I'm just trying to live my life for other people. I'm trying to please others. I'm trying to make a, make a difference in my own strength and do it all by myself. No, become of no reputation as Jesus. That's the way to true maturity. That's the way to become a big kid now is to give complete surrender to our God. Father, I thank you for the hands raised. I thank you for the hearts that are lifted to you. I thank you, God, that today we choose maybe again, but maybe for the first time to, to fully submit ourselves to you, to give our hearts to you and realize that actually, Lord, we don't want to promote ourselves. We don't want to project a, a, an image to the world around us, God. We want to come and lay our lives down to, before you. We humble ourselves before you, God, and we say, may you take care of our reputation, God. We are seeking after you. Jesus, in this place, do something in our hearts as we surrender completely to you. God, take us on into fullness. Take us on into maturity in you, God. Help us to take responsibility for our lives. Help us to come out from under those who are over us and help us to find our identity in you.
and in you alone. We pray this so that we can become better disciples and followers of you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Give yourself a round of applause. Come on. That's cool. It's a good step. And I'm really excited about this series because the key thing we are doing with this is we are doing this in e-groups as well. So there is an e-group series that is starting this week, coincides with each message. And you can talk this, these things through because I, I realize that just listening to me for 40 minutes and talk about it often doesn't get it in your heart, doesn't bring a shift. But if you can talk with friends and people who can, who can you can ask questions of, you can work it out, you can pray for one another, then it's far more likely to take hold in your heart and change your life. So can I encourage you, if you want to get information about an e-group, come talk to me, one of the leadership team. There's, we've got five e-groups on different nights, times of the day for different people. We'd love to plug you into that and you can grow in this process. I encourage you to do that. I just, just one more group of people that I want to talk to this morning, just with every eye closed and head bowed in this place. If, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know God through His Son, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. There's only one true God and there's only one way to Him. That's through His Son, Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you don't know Him and you want to, now's your time. And I encourage you just right in this moment to raise your hand. I'll see it and you can put it down and then we'll all pray together. Is there anybody here? You'll know who you are because there'll be inner turmoil. Something's going on in your heart. You realize actually there's a spiritual battle going on for your life. If you're here this morning, that battle is wage, raging inside of you. Come on, give your life to God. He's got an amazing plan for your life. It's better than anything else you could dream up or imagine. Come on, is there anybody here? I'll give you a chance to raise your hand. Okay, I'm seeing, I think these might be hands of surrender. I'm not sure. Uh, but I would love to pray. Actually, let's let's pray all together and if even if you didn't raise your hand you want to pray this prayer in your heart you see it's not about doing it in front of people you have an audience of one this morning if you know in your heart that actually you want a relationship with God and I encourage you let's pray this prayer together and God will do the rest so why don't you pray after me dear God I come to you today and I ask forgiveness forgive me my sin and draw me into relationship with you, God, through your Son, Jesus. I open my life to you. Come in and make me new. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Come on, let's give that person, those people, a round of applause. So cool. I'm going to hand back to Nat. Enjoy the rest of your morning. Thanks, Pastor Dave. Let's give Dave a hand for a truly devastating message. <laughs> Man, that cut to my heart real deep. And I have so much to take away from that message today. So thank you so much, Dave. Um, and I hope you all did too. I hope you all felt 
encouraged, even though that was a maybe tough pill to swallow. But um, yeah, that audience of one idea is just so releasing, isn't it? And so freeing. We don't have to worry about people pleasing. And that's something that I do struggle with. So yeah, I am really appreciative for that. Um, we do have a prayer team that will be down here after the service too. So if you do want to talk to someone about that now and get some prayer, I know I do, um, you're welcome to come down the front. Otherwise, we'll see you in the foyer for a coffee after this. We'll have a song praising God before we go. Yes, take it away, team. Awesome, awesome.